Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Good Sunday to all of you. We thought this would be a good chance for John and I to go back and take a look at the previous offseason since we had this hiatus. We don't know entirely how the season worked out yet, but we've got a lot of information now to look at some of the big moves that took place. Uh, we obviously were discussing those in real time when they happened, at least those of us who were actually in the media at the time. <laughs> but uh, So we're going to look now at the 2019 offseason, some of the best moves, some of the worst moves, some of the moves that we've really had to change our opinions on. So, John, uh, good day. How are you doing, man? Uh, doing great. Just uh, trying to uh, survive in isolation like all of us. <laughs> uh, so... I guess we could just get right into it here. What did you have? Are we, well, just what did you have as some of your best moves? Or I guess the, I don't know if we want to describe it as the best move, but a move that really you thought looks amazing in retrospect. Well, I think this is pretty clearly going to go down as the best move. Um, and that would be Oklahoma City receiving Danilo Gallinari, Shea Gilgis Alexander, and five first round picks from the LA Clippers for Paul George. Uh, you look back and, I mean, certainly if you look just back at this season, you would say if it was Gallinari and Shea Gillis-Alexander, Oklahoma City probably made out okay. And those are, you know, and those are the kinds of deals teams have to take sometimes when they have a gun to their head and a guy wants out. Uh, but fortunately, they were able to leverage Kawhi Leonard's situation uh, in concert with George for all it was worth and get five additional first-round picks, including... An unprotected first from Miami in 21. Um, there's a pick swap in there as well in 23, which we'll see how that goes. There's another pick from Miami in there uh, that's protected uh, later this decade. Uh, and then they get picks in 25 and 26 where it's like, who you know, who knows what the Clippers are going to be by then. Uh, I'm sorry, there's a swap in 25 and a real pick in 26. I just thought they did a, did amazingly well out of that. Yeah, it's probably the biggest return ever, at least at the time, for a superstar. And they benefited from the fact that the Clippers were essentially trading for two players because Kawhi was going to sign there if they got George. And they managed to leverage that extremely well. And it only looks better now than it did then because they now uh, are probably actually a better team this year than they were last year, at least in terms of their record. Yeah. 
I, I and, just think in terms yeah. of the over, uh, in terms of the quality of the of the team and the starting lineup, I think too. We 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 get into another trade that played into that too. I think, but <laughs> well, how does this look in retrospect to you from the Clippers' standpoint? It seemed like the consensus at the time was it was a win win. Do you still see it that way? I still see it that way because I mean, getting Kawhi was clearly the most important part. So obviously, I mean, they wildly overpaid on this, but they also got Kawhi Leonard. For free so if you if you're get if that's part of the transaction it's tough to lose the other part of it badly enough that you would come out worse right yeah. especially when you have both players locked up for multiple years so i i still think the clippers do that again um now, did they did they get a little too exuberant? Could they have held the line a little more? Maybe, but they were, the clock was running out on them too. Was the problem? Yeah, they were concerned that Kawhi was going to go to the Lakers. Exactly. So there's a there's a playing defense component to this as well because they not only got them on their team, but they kept them away from the team that would have certainly dominated the Western Conference for many years to come if they had uh, if they had been able to pull this off and get and get Kawhi Leonard. And what's amazing is that Anthony Davis also got traded this summer and New Orleans everyone felt like got a pretty good haul out of it. And yet Oklahoma City's haul still dwarfed that uh, that the Pelicans got for Davis. That's an interesting question. Did it dwarf it? If we if we really look at it, I mean Brandon Ingram okay. made the all star team this year. Probably maybe didn't deserve that, but he's gonna get a max contract, you'd think, in the off season Lonzo Ball looking like a a quality starter they got the number four pick which they traded for a bunch of stuff which may or may not work out but that I mean the number four pick is arguably I mean granted it wasn't a great draft but you would imagine that the number four pick is probably going to be higher than any individual pick that OKC got that's fair yes yeah um now Gilgis Alexander whether he is better than Ingram or not I think people Gilgis Alexander had more value at the time Ingram might have more value now than mm-hmm. Gilgis Alexander so mm-hmm. and, and then they also still have these two picks coming from the Lakers one of which is that crazy deferment uh, exactly the, from Un- unprotected in 24 that they can defer to 25 that is a high value asset if you look at the if you look at LeBron's birth certificate I mean that <laughs> that, that could really be worth something um so yeah but I think I, ultimately though for the Clippers this was going to be worth it if they were a championship level team and it seemed like they were rounding into that kind of form so I think you would have to say it looks about the same as uh, the Clippers to me were about what I thought they're going to be and Oklahoma City was better so I still think it was uh, ended up being a win win i mean it really would have required the clippers to play poker with Kawhi leonard really mm-hmm. more than oklahoma city because oklahoma city knew they needed a commitment immediately and who knows maybe Kawhi would have never gone to the lakers or toronto uh, even if they hadn't gotten paul george and you can also make the argument that hey maybe the clippers would have been better if they had just retained all of these assets and then you know, they could have traded some of those for other stuff as well at a future time. They would have still had Gilgis Alexander, who could have grown with Kawhi. Gallinari would have helped them still. So they might have even been better if they had just gotten Kawhi, but Kawhi wanted another superstar with him. And exactly. In the playoffs, that may end up being the better strategy anyway. Very true. Uh, Very true. Um, yeah, I mean, that that was... You'd have to say that's that's probably the best move. The When you get more in trade, maybe, for a superstar than anyone has ever got, at least at the time, and it's Paul George, who's a good player, but he's, you know, like the 10th right. best player in the NBA or something. He's not, you know, we're not talking about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar getting traded in 1975 here. Exactly, exactly. 
Yeah. So I that 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 one to me is still the one that blows me away. And and you know those Gildas Alexander and Gallinari were both good this year. You know we'll see if they're able to keep Gallinari or what happens there. But I just think that that that's the that's the move that stood out the most to me. Well, so this one didn't stand out that much because it wasn't seismic for the league. But in terms of just a move that worked out amazingly well, okay, taking on TJ Warren <laughs> yes. and picking up the number 32 overall pick, which they later traded for three second rounders from Miami for the low, low price of cash from the Phoenix Suns. And now TJ Warren has turned into a very solid two-way starter. I think he's outperformed that contract this year. And you got a, a valuable pick as well that was pretty solid i think that was really good work they got what's what's amazing yeah so they it wasn't just a second that phoenix sent them they sent them the 32nd pick in the draft which theoretically yeah. had some value now my the guy miami drafted maybe wouldn't have been my first choice there casey Ocala, but um indiana flipped that pick to miami and got three future seconds from the heat in 22 25 and 26 and i think those picks especially in 25 and 26 from miami could end up being pretty high 30s so i yeah just a a great job by indiana turning essentially nothing right into into a high level starting small forward and picks well and it really was a success at every level of the organization right because for one it's an understanding of what else is out there in free agency they still were able to pick up malcolm brogdon and jeremy lamb as well and tj mcconnell Mm -hmm. while still so they it's not like they were going to do anything else with that 12 million dollars in space from warren's contract that they took on it was also an understanding that warren had been in a great situation in phoenix and that they have this track record of getting guys with physical ability to defend when maybe they hadn't before and that's exactly what they were able to do with him so the idea that they could get him as in theory a distressed asset although i didn't even necessarily think of him as that before this i thought this was a good move for indiana at the time but then to make him into even a much better player was very impressive absolutely and uh kind of a bizarre move by phoenix because they could have they could have done the same thing by via a couple other means obviously they didn't they weren't required to sign Kelly Oubre obviously was the main thing um but they could have gotten there a couple other ways uh even without that and and didn't for whatever reason well yeah in theory they were using that room to help sign Ricky Rubio which they were able to do after they dumped Josh Jackson as well and Rubio I mean to me Rubio probably helped them more than Warren would have this year so I I think there's something to be said for that also ironic because Indiana was rumored to be in the Rubio sweepstakes they then get Malcolm Brogdon instead and take on T.J. Warren, which enables Phoenix to sign Ricky Rubio. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole connected circle right there. The uh, I'd say the Pacers came out of that better than the, the Suns did, certainly. R- Rubio definitely, I mean, he helped Phoenix. There's no question. That like that 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 was a solid move that the Suns made to to sign him. But they gave up a lot of stuff in order to affect that transaction. I think there's another move we're going to end up talking about here, too, that was part of that. Okay, what's, uh, well, here, let's take a quick break and then we'll, we'll get to John's uh, next move that he really liked. Our friends at Echelon are finally making connected home fitness accessible for those who don't want to pay a ton for a Peloton. Go to echelonfit.com to discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high quality at home cycling experience at less than half the price of a Peloton. You can buy an Echelon bike today for under $1,000. 
at Echelon Fit, like upper echelon, E-C-H-E-L-O-N, echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A, abbreviating the name of this network. The beauty of Echelon is if you aren't 100% satisfied, they're going to give you your money back. They've got daily live and on-demand studio classes right in your home. You'll never have to step foot in a gym. Whatever your activity level, whether you're a first responder, elite athlete, a busy parent, and it's not just their connected fitness bikes. They also have a whole arsenal of high-tech fitness products at prices anyone can afford, like their Reflect Mirror that brings first-in-class fitness instruction to your home, or their all-new rowing machine that they are releasing later this month. So give it a shot at echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you go to that echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A link, you can learn about their limited time, free Apple iPad, and complete details of their exclusive offer, Echelon, it's your time. And don't forget to go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A to let them know that you came from us. Actually, now that I think about it, maybe we should do, let's just alternate between good and bad. Maybe that's that's more interesting. Okay. What, what is the move that you, the number one move that sticks out that you didn't like? The entire Knicks off season, I just had it looped as one thing. <laughs> uh, I, I have written on my sheet, everything the Knicks did, question mark? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Take us through it. Okay, well, so here's the thing. The Knicks had a bunch of cap room that was going to end up going unused when uh, all their first choices on free agency decided not to go there. You know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, which, okay, that happens. What the other teams that had cap room did, uh, most notably Memphis, but you saw Atlanta do it. You saw uh, a couple other teams with room do this. Even the Clippers did this, actually, with some leftover room they had. Um, They got a first-round pick from Miami to take on Mo Harkless with with their cap room. Indiana did it in the Warren deal we just talked about. The Knicks could have done basically all those deals. Um, not Perhaps not the Warren deal because it was before the draft, so they probably were still hoarding their room. But what the Knicks did instead was sign Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, Alfred Payton, Wayne Ellington, Reggie Bullock, Marcus Morris uh, for a total of, what, like $70 million a year? Oh, Todd Gibson. I left him out. Sorry. Very important player. Um, yeah. So basically, they nuked all their cap space on middling veterans on completely overpaid deals. And for what? So that they could win 28 games instead of 25. And and the thing is, then they lost the ability to make trades like the trades these other teams made where they were paid in draft picks to soak up cap space. And some of the players who were moved in those trades were actually better than the players the Knicks ended up signing. You know, if you look at Harkless, you look at Andre Iguodala, you look at... Um, you know, Josh Jackson and DeAnthony Melton. Uh, you look at Warren, obviously, we talked about before. The Knicks ended up with, I mean, Marcus Morris had value and they ended up uh, converting him to a late first. So they got something out of that. But like, yeah, although they completely blundered into him at the end. Let's not forget that. Oh, yes, that's a good point. After uh, Reggie Bullock fa- failed his, uh, his physical and they ended up getting him at a lower number after that. Um, and then, uh, like like Wayne Ellington at eight million, Todd Gibson at nine million. What are you doing, guys? Like, where where, where are you going with this? Bobby Portis, fifteen million dollars. Come on, guys. Um, so, yeah, they just they wasted that asset of their cap space for, and they got basically no zero return for it. And now they'll end up. All, most of these guys are on one plus one deals where the second year has a has a small guarantee. Yeah, end yeah. Up I, I usually I usually call those two minus ones. <laughs> two as minus a, one, exactly. Well, as opposed where to you know, the one plus you know, one is the player you know, option. Where right. you know the day it's signed that they're not picking up the second year. Yeah. Well, it's a, I mean, to, as a 
a, I think of a one plus one is the player option. Yeah. So a two minus one is the team option or a non-guarantee. Yeah. So they they probably actually will pick up the the block uh, guarantee. It's only four point two million. But Wayne Ellington, Todd Gibson, uh, Bobby Portis is a team option. Uh, probably even Alfred Payton. Uh, probably going to end up uh, waving or not picking up the options on all those guys. So that they're going to have nothing to show for it except uh, more of Julius Randle hoovering up all Mitchell Robinson's minutes. So I actually think that this looks a little bit better than it did at the time. I, I agree with all of what you said. I think that there, uh, many people have said, oh, they could have used their cap space to soak up room. And yes, they could have. There are a lot of really good deals that came out for that. But if there were another team in the market to do that, then the uh, projected return would have gone down so that that's part of it where they, they would have been competing with each other to take on say Andre Iguodala's salary and so you don't necessarily get if there's two teams competing a, a top four protected pick in 2024 just as an example or, or the same thing right. with Harkless so that's that's one component that mitigate I mean I still think that might have been the better strategy number two they did they signed Marcus Morris they had got some modicum of respectability out of him, and then they traded him for that Clippers pick, which will probably be you know like the twenty seventh pick in the draft. And so that's that's the type of level of pick that might have been available. They actually, when you look at Marcus Morris for fifteen million, that's actually a pretty good return to get a guy for fifteen million. He actually plays for you, and then you're able to trade him. So I agree with that. The, so they did get a little bit of something. I also they at least avoided going the route of well let's use up all our space to sign guys to three and four year deals and short circuit the rebuild but the problem the biggest problem to me was just the guys they got didn't fit together i actually think wayne ellington was fine because he can actually shoot now he had some injury issues and and they wanted to play other players but to go with alfred payton gibson portis and then not fit those guys around rj barrett that's the biggest issue is that you had total yeah 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 none of the pieces even fit yeah even Randall, I might have been okay with if they just had, you know, if it's, if it's RJ and Randall and a bunch of guys who can shoot, you know, that might actually been okay to me, right? Like Randall, I think we forget how good a year he had last year in New Orleans. He he also has been just not put in position to succeed at all. He's he's atrocious defensively. We get that, but it didn't seem crazy to me to give him, you know, a three minus one at twenty million at the time and just see whether he worked out. He's young enough that maybe he would. Um, but. If they had just done this same strategy with a few different players, some of whom could actually stand behind that little arc that goes around the, the basket at 23 feet, 9 inches, I would have felt a lot better uh, about what they did. That's fair. Yeah. They, um, I don't know. Some of it just, it, it was like a 1990s strategy, right? It was like, yeah, we're going to get all these toughs fours and fives yeah. and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to play, uh, back go back to the days when uh anthony mason and anthony bonner were small forwards yeah exactly exactly that's pretty amazing to me that anthony mason at one point played played uh small forward there's a reason those 90s knicks teams were some of the greatest defensive teams of all time yeah yeah absolutely uh okay i i got another one here this is a a small one detroit pistons claimed christian wood on waivers from the new orleans pelicans oh that's a good one and then nearly screwed it up by signing a 100-year-old Joe Johnson out of a half-court three-on-three league and giving him a partial. And hey, d- it, d- Don't you dare denigrate that league. That may be all we have in about, in about two weeks here. <laughs> and somehow, someway, they managed not to screw it up 
kept Christian Wood, and obviously he had a fantastic season. I was going through some uh, statistics stuff since I've been kind of treating this hiatus as the off season. I mean, analytics wise, he rated as a top ten center this year. Like he was good. Yeah, and uh, and to get him, also for- glad to hear he recovered from coronavirus. By the way, that's yes, uh, yes, that's the most important thing. C- congratulations to him on that. But yeah, that's uh, and so I don't know. I mean, we'll see what what he ends up getting. They'll they have a full full bird. Well, I think they have early bird rights on him. I believe he's um, an early bird free agent. Yeah, yeah. So so, but that'll hopefully be enough for them to retain him. Well, they're a room You'd team imagine, too, so. so I think basically if they want to, they can probably yeah, that's keep true. him. The more interesting thing is if they keep him without having to renounce his hold, right? Then yeah. they can uh, they can use a lot more cap room on other players. So that's where it gets a little interesting for them. Uh, New Orleans uh, keeping Jaleel Okafor over Christian Wood, by the way, was a mistake. Yeah, yeah, that that, that was not good. Um, I guess that was two good ones, actually, that I just did. So I, I owe you guys two bad ones after this. Um, okay, give me another uh, another good move that, that you right. were... So here's a good move that I think was um, probably the only contender for, uh, like, on the level of that Shea Gilgis-Alexander deal. Um which was uh, Memphis turning Mike Conley into Brandon Clark, a future first from Utah, a $25 million trade exception that turned into another first from Golden State, and Josh Jackson and DeAnthony Melton, and a second and possibly two seconds from Phoenix. You forgot Grayson Allen. Uh, yeah, that was kind of intentional. Um, <laughs> but, he, you know, he was he was a throw into that deal and whatever. We'll, we'll see what happens with him. I'm not, like, super optimistic there. But uh, they got... Uh, they got a lot of value for Conley, but then obviously setting the trade up in such a way to generate the huge trade exception and turn it into more value down the road was really the thing that put this over the top. And that, I mean, that Melton trade, uh, you know, they potentially got a good player and a pick for pretty much nothing. Yeah, that was, uh, that am, was I be, am, I, am I being a homer here? Or is, I, is that? No, no, I, I think that was good. I, I think they did well to get what they did. I, I, thought that they wouldn't have a better deal in the summer than would have been available at the trade deadline that turned out to be wrong and so yeah we yeah. we uh we we felt pretty strongly that way that yeah that, that we'd had we'd actually be, it would be easier to put a deal together that was more favorable in the summer just because when you when you start stacking contracts to get to his number you know doing three and four for ones and then the pick so utah was willing to put in their first round pick in 2019 with no conditions at all because they already knew what number it was yeah so that that's, that's where it gets a lot easier to do a deal before the draft is that you don't have to do all this stuff with protections and what if it flips to next year and then, you know, you don't you don't have to get into all that because the pick is a known. So it makes it easier to set deals up a lot of times. No, I mean, that obviously was a, a deal that pushed Memphis uh, into a, what's looking like it'll be a faster rebuild than many anticipated. Okay, here's what I wanted to throw out. Okay. The Washington Wizards not trading Bradley Beal. Ooh, a non-move. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes you... sometimes not making a move is riskier than making a move. P- yeah. People don't think of risk that way. They think of risk as a deviation from our current status quo. But sometimes you are taking a risk by not making a move. Right. Because they, I mean, obviously they could have been awful this year with or without Beal. And presumably he had as much trade value as about anyone. I mean, people are always looking for A, shooting, B, wings, C, guys who can play on the ball. Beal is one of the rare guys who were all three. I think virtually every team in the league would have 
would have had some kind of case for making a deal for him. They could have bid things up to a pretty high level. Now they still will have that opportunity this summer, but they're just there doesn't seem to be any intention of, of following through with that on that, at least at this point. Yeah. Well well so they did it looks better now than it did then because he at least extended. Yeah. And we didn't even know that he was gonna extend at that time. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah. So that looks better, but there's still the question of where are you going with this guy now? Are they gonna they might be the A seed next year if John Wall comes back and he's okay. They don't really have much flexibility to improve this offseason and that's and things look a little bit better for them now with getting guys like Bertans and Mo Wagner and and just generally playing a little bit better than it seemed like they were going to but to me could they have would Bradley Beal have been an acceptable partner for Kawhi Leonard in LA Wow, uh, that's a great point. Yeah. Right, right. Like maybe they could have gotten, if not quite as good of a package from as OKC got, even half of that package would have been pretty good, I think, to, to oh, potentially jumpstart yeah. a, a rebuild. Yeah. And it, I think there are a lot of teams that really would have been very interested in trading for Beal. Would New Orleans have been interested in him? Maybe something along the lines of, of all those assets that they had, that so, some of which went to. You know, maybe they could have gotten the number four pick. Uh, not that that turned out to be anyone good, but we didn't know that at the time. Exactly. Um, so, so that I mean, that would be an interesting one. I think w- where we're going to end up is, I mean, maybe he just really loves it there and wants to stay there, and he's fine winning thirty-five games a year in perpetuity. But you imagine at some point he's going to want out, and hey, even if he doesn't want out, winning thirty-five games a year in perpetuity doesn't help you much anyway. Because I, I don't exactly. see Beal as he's not a get you to the playoffs on his own type of player right those are the type of guys you hold on to in these circumstances Beal is probably you know 15th 20th best player in the NBA so run, yeah if he, if he if he tries on defense yeah yeah, yeah yeah okay let's take another quick break here and then we'll get uh another move from John what's up sports fans Matt Peck here host of Locked On Bulls and I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast huge fan is a new Sirius XM original podcast where stars talk sports Each week, join host LaChina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich Thanks to Dave's Killer Bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed-coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein 
Visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store. Okay, so what do you owe us now? A good one or a bad one? I, I've lost track. Let's see. I've done two good ones. I think I've only done one bad one. So let me let me uh, let me hit a bad one here. Sacramento Kings signed three different players as unrestricted free agents this summer to contracts north of ten million a year, and arguably got zero starters and one rotation player out of the out of the deal. <laughs> right, Dwayne Dedman, Trevor Ariza, and Corey Joseph. Yeah, those guys didn't work out. I thought that would actually be. That's one of the ones that my opinion has changed on. Mm -hmm. So my question for you is, what else should they have done instead? I mean, there are so many things they could have done. I mean, there's a sign better players one right like well so it 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 wouldn't have been hard to do better than Dwayne Dedman if like they could have given the same money to Daniel Tice right and Boston probably would have walked away well but is there any so you thought Daniel Tice was better than Dwayne Dedman last summer I definitely didn't I didn't okay I didn't expect Tice to have the year he had that's a that's a fair that's that's a fair critique I wasn't I wasn't as big on on Dedman as you were but um I I just like there's we're, we're talking about guys who were you know ended up between 40th and 60th at their position like there's there were a lot of options here as, as yeah. far as other ways they could have gone especially especially when you're talking about fives i mean one option at the five was them to just not sign anybody besides Rashawn holmes who they give him credit awesome move um and just played him and harry giles right like you didn't you didn't have to keep harry giles in a freezer the whole season yeah they also could have just uh played the qualifying offer game with willie Colley stein although that that would have reduced their cap space because his cap hold was so big as as a high yes, pick yes although in, in retrospect yeah. that might not have been such a bad thing to have their their cap space uh restricted and obviously they grossly overpaid for a backup point guard which you you, you can't pay that kind of money at the backup one it's just not in a, a significant enough position uh they're locked into to joseph next year at 12.6 as a small guarantee the year after um ariza i mean at least ariza was uh the two minus one as you call it yeah, with with the partial, he probably before performed the best of the three, even though he was a disappointment too. Uh, but just just all told, just and for a team, so here's the other thing that bothered me about that was that they went after three older guys at a point where they weren't really ready to win anything. Yeah. That's reasonable, right? That, that that to me is is one of the best arguments. I think you know they felt like they're going to make the playoffs, and it was important for them to do that because it's. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you heard; it's kind of been a while in yeah, Sacramento. Yeah, but you know, instead uh, of Corey Joseph, go after Tyus Jones, right? Go after Delon Wright. Both those guys got less money. Barely, actually, no. I think that uh, mid level guys. No, that's not true. Those, those guys, yeah, but they got uh, those guys both got three years fully guaranteed, right? So they actually got more money. But okay, they got more money per per year. But you're okay yeah. paying them out those years because they're in their twenties, right? Yeah. So. Hey, Corey Joseph's not that old. Like he seems, he's been around forever, but like he's only twenty seven, twenty eight. I mean, he's almost. He's like within a year or two of right. Um, but yeah, I mean, and also uh, the problem, the other problem with Jones and Wright was they were restricted free agents. You didn't know that you were going to be able to get them uh, right away, whereas you knew that you could get Joseph. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, so I, I mean, obviously the deal, those deals didn't work out. Like I'm not arguing with you on that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm playing devil's advocate to some sure. degree, but 
to me, in terms of guys who, yes, like they overpaid, I it seemed at the time to me they were overpaying by like three or four million, something like that. And Deadman was a unique fit next to Bagley, and both of those guys had nightmare seasons uh, as it turned out. But the the theory of Deadman, I thought to overpay for the fit, maybe more than the player, I, I thought that was all right if he had just shot the ball the way that he did last year, but he just didn't do that. So I'm I thought, and then backup point guard, they just sucked when Fox was off the floor. I think they felt like all right if we can shore up this weakness you know we can be a mid-40s win team because we played so well when we had Fox out there last year um and as long as we're not playing like Yogi Ferrell or Frank Mason all of a sudden like we're just putting a competent player out there will really help us but so I like I thought the theory behind those moves was okay like I can't kill them that badly for those the guys just didn't like if they well let, let me ask you this if those guys had all just played the way they played the year before would you be killing those moves still well i mean i didn't think Corey joseph was any good when they signed him so i yeah I, <laughs> okay so that, well that's that, that's that, fair. that one for sure i, don't I, think I thought of him was, as like a, a, a above average backup point guard at the time ariza um, wasn't good last year aren't you always talking about how like defensive guards are underrated yeah but he's okay he's like but yeah, is he, but, is he but like not, Chris Dunn though? Like he's like he's all right. I mean, I think he can defend the one and the two. He's tough. I, yeah, I mean, he's not gonna force turnovers the way Chris Dunn did, but um yeah i don't know this is an interesting discussion i mean i i i don't really have a leg to stand on because the moves themselves didn't work out but i i just i i struggled to say that that's like one of my five worst moves the offseason i mean we're not like definitively ranking these but um like the theory behind those made sense to me but i I, we disagree on that it seems all right right. anything else you want to do to to uh make me sound stupid or or should we move on to the uh let's let's move on (laughs) to one you hated Okay, this wasn't that damaging, ultimately, mm-hmm. but it probably made the least sense to me of any move. Okay. Jabari Parker on a one plus one for <laughs> six million a year with Atlanta. <laughs> it was only a matter of time before we got to Atlanta. Um yeah, I don't know if there's a lot to say there. I mean, it was a it was a dice roll with leftover cap room. Like, but but at the same time, like part of the reason they traded back for Deadman was to get off of the six million they owed Parker next year. And uh, and, and, and I'm with you that I had I had zero faith that that would work. But I actually have a have a better have a better uh, with a player from that same draft. I believe there was a there was a an even more egregiously bad one plus one contract. And it was by a team that we usually do not uh, knock. Can you think of what it is? From that same draft on a one plus one. I believe it was oh, the same my, draft. My, bra- my brain is, lo- is a little addled. Who is it? The Toronto Raptors signed Stanley Johnson, two years, $7.5 million with a player uh, option. It was not the, not the same year. draft, the t- 2015. That, okay. That's why. Okay. I clearly would have gotten it uh, immediately <laughs> if only you'd been more accurate. What's so interesting is that were it not for the development of players like Terrence Davis and, you know, Chris Boucher and, and whatnot and Hollis, them signing Hollis, Hollis Jefferson at the back end of uh, Toronto's rotation, this could have really been a disaster for them. Like, they didn't have a lot of room. They didn't have a lot of options in, in free agency. And this was, this was um, you know, this was kind of their, their taxpayer mid-level move, right? 
Uh, yeah, they they used the B A E on him actually. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, my bad. And <laughs> he was so bad that even in, like even in preseason, people you know you heard people kind of like uh, this guy's pretty bad. <laughs> like I don't think this is going to well, work. including his own coach. Yeah. Yeah. In the media, mm-hmm. just saying he wasn't, he, he was not uh, buying into what they're trying to do. I, this is one again that, I, I mean, are, you're the proponent of the second draft, right? I mean, was it I know. just, it, w- didn't was seem, it, it did not seem like a bad gamble at the time. So this is okay. one that you file under, like, yeah. it seemed the, okay at the time. The, the player option, the player option, I uh, raised my eyebrows at the time. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was unnecessary. I, I would agree. I mean, I thought Pat McCaw for two years, $8 million was a much worse decision. Yeah. I agree with that. Although, uh, McCaw's apparently been, he has, yeah. yeah. He has compromising photographs of the coaching staff, though. So, that's, <laughs> uh, but I mean, when you can pull all these awesome other guys out, it, to, to go uh, four for five on those type of signings and, and free agent guys, it, you still did pretty good there. But yeah, that's one that's, you know, who knows what's going to what's gonna happen to Stanley Johnson next year. But it, I mean, pretty amazing. I mean, this is a, you would think it'd be the best place for him. They develop guys so well. Uh, yeah. Okay. Total mystery. The Dallas Mavericks, this is a, we're back on the good side here. Okay. Re-signing Dorian Finney-Smith and Moxie Kleba to a combined $12 million a year. Yeah, you see, I had I had an item that just said Dallas, and I wasn't sure where to go with it. I mean, I definitely uh, that that Kleba contract is awesome, right? It's four years, thirty four million. Fourth year is a partial. I mean, Kleba's really good, and he's still kind of a almost unknown player on a national level. And yeah, he he is number two when I did my awards for in six man. I mean, no one talks about him like that, but to me, yeah. I mean, I think he's one of the most valuable reserves in the NBA. Yeah. And then they uh, got Finney Smith uh, again on a on a really value value deal, three years, twelve million. I wasn't as high on him, but he's had a he's had a good year for them. And he's really really improved his shooting. I mean, he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn early in his career. And yeah, he's not like an absolute stopper, but you can throw him on most of these guys, and he'll do a, a respectable job. And he's shooting the three well enough now that I mean, to get a three and D wing for four million a year, they, they did a great job of being proactive in the restricted free agency process with those guys but still using restricted free agency to get him on, on value deals yeah absolutely absolutely and they he's they've done a nice job with him there or he's done a nice job give him the credit too of turning into this kind of player you could see at florida that he had kind of some of those attributes of what could be a three and d guy but his skill level just wasn't at the right level for this league and you know came there as an undrafted free agency free agent and has just gotten better every year i do have a dallas move coming up that i had him among my worst but uh are you uh you're back in the positive side of the ledger again here all right let me uh let me go with some low-hanging fruit on the positive side here well i got two positives here but okay i'm actually i'll go with this one because i wasn't i wasn't sure about it at the time i wasn't crazy about it um but derrick rose two years 15 million to the pistons that was a hell of a deal man yeah, I, I mean, think they could have won 15 games instead of 20 without him. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I kid there. I mean, if Blake Griffin had been healthy, that actually would have been a good signing, and they, they might have even been in the playoffs. And they also yeah. have won five games fewer than expected. I mean, they've really been more of a 25-win team. And they also stopped drying, obviously. Um, once yeah, once Griffin yeah. surgery came out, but no, I mean he's he's been outstanding. He's up there for discussion in, in six man of the year, and 
I mean, man, where would they have been without him offensively? Oh my goodness, it was like it was amazing. You'd watch those first five minutes before they started him. You'd watch the first five minutes of the Pistons game. You just want to blow your brains out watching it. Just like, oh my god, this is so <laughs> dull. Like, they, how many times did they run the first play of the game for Tony Snell? <laughs> You know, you're, yeah. you're watching you're watching Bruce Bruce Brown run pick and roll with Andre Darmond. Like, oh man. So anyway, yeah, big big lift from from Derrick Rose, and I mean he he was durable, he was pretty efficient. I mean he was he was good. I'd say the only surprise is uh, that they um, weren't able to get something for him at the trade deadline. I do wonder if they'll trade him this summer while they still have that contract. It would seem to be the right move for where they're heading. Well, I think that there are teams that wanted him, and but they're the, the report. Sports were that they wanted a lottery pick. Now, every team that's yeah. ever tried to trade someone has started off yeah. with wanting a lottery pick, but I think yeah. the fact that he was under contract for next year made them want to keep him around. I, I agree with you. I would have taken... I mean, if it was, I, I, I'll take that back. If it was like a second, I probably would have held on to him actually. Yeah. Just, the, just the, for what I had yeah. heard was they wanted a first, so yeah. uh, it, they may not have been able to get that. I mean, you look. I mean, Marcus Morris was the only guy who went for a, for a first, I think, and he went for a very late one. So, okay, uh, I'll go back to Dallas here. Okay, the Dwight Powell extension of three years. 33 million kicks in after this year now of course we didn't know that he was going to tear his achilles and he actually played pretty well he was part of them being so good offensively but they've managed to keep that up pretty much without him Mm -hmm. he is one of the best role men in the league but 27 already so that kicks in so you're getting his age 28 to 30 seasons for a guy who's relying on athleticism and i just think that with this team the fact, uh, and, and I'll say this too, like the, the, that bites into their 2021 cap space for a team that really should be able to move into contention right around that time with Luca and Porzingis. Yeah, 21 they, is their and, key yeah. summer, no, no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. and they had him under contract for another year. I thought when the reports emerged that they were going to sign him to extension, I thought it was going to be is he was going to opt out and then they'd sign him to three more years, but at, at a lower per year number. And no, it was actually he opts in and then you sign him to more. And it just like he's he's not a plus defensive player who they really need at that position uh, next to Porzingis they need someone who can defend on the perimeter if Pollard to me doesn't move his feet all that well because uh, Porzingis needs to be near the basket it, it just didn't make a lot of sense to me to spend that kind of money on him where you've got reasonable facsimiles of him that are available for a lot cheaper and it's just yeah he is an elite role man but is he going to maintain that for the next three years after this and there's just the, the ultimate thing was there's just no urgency to do this that, that's the thing right the why why yeah yeah, yeah. You, you just didn't need to do that and, and i mean the fact that he tore his achilles which is terrible but that's why you don't do it a year ahead of time for a player like that unless you're getting like normally you when you say okay fine extension we'll give you an extension but we're going to give you extra certainty here so give us a little bit of a discount right that's usually how it's supposed to work and instead i thought that they overpaid in the extension yeah i agree with that although i'll say this i think i have a worse contract extension Eric Gordon? Uh, no, same position, different team. <laughs> CJ McCollum, three years, one hundred million with the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, that's one Why? where. Why? Uh, win the win the press battle, I guess. He's, I mean, he's not a free agent until the summer of twenty one. Like you, you just didn't need to do this. And now that I mean, now they're just completely locked in on this, you know, Lillard McCollum backcourt, which is like, okay, like is CJ really the right guy to have next to Lillard? I've defended that pairing 
over the years. Uh, I, I do th- because I'm not sure who you're like trading McCollum, McCollum for that is really going to improve you that much more than what he's already giving you. And those two guys are really difficult to defend. I mean, when basically whenever those two guys are on the floor, their offense has been really, really good for a long time. But I, I that, that's an interesting one because I mean, it's not he's played about you know his normal level uh, this year, which uh, he does have that one 16, 17 year that's like a little bit of an outlier. You know, he hasn't quite where that year he was a borderline all star. He hasn't been quite at that level. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't have done that. And I mean, maybe they felt that it that would actually increase his trade value to have him under contract. Oh, but, the old uh, Kevin Love fallacy. Yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, but I mean, he's at least still producing. Generally, if the guy is still producing, that can work. Um, yeah, I and mean, teams. He's, are, yeah, he's a twenty-eight. He's twenty-eight. He's not a top ten player at his position. Probably, probably never will be. Like, uh, I, I think not, I. I think I had 30, him like. He's not a thirty million dollar player. Like, and, yeah. and there's no chance of him becoming one. Yeah, I think I had him at like seventh, and when I did my shooting guard rankings, but that that's eye of the beholder. Obviously, whether whether you like him more or you like a more well-rounded three and D type at, at that position depends on what you need. But um, yeah, that's. I mean, it certainly could turn out to be really bad. I mean, I think that's that's quite obvious to me. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of lot of risk in that one. Eric Gordon might end up being worse though, given the fact yeah. that he hasn't even produced this year. Yeah. And He's got big health concerns. Yep. Still free. That's the one thing about CJ. He at least has he stayed plays. almost yeah. entirely healthy this year. Or, yeah. or in his career, I should say. Yeah. yeah. Gordon's got three guaranteed years after this one. Yeah, that one's not not great, and that that was another one where there was you know what was the urgency there? If he'd had a good year, I, I think also a lot of these teams didn't anticipate the that the free agent market in the summer of 2020 was basically going to be the mid level exception for good teams. Yeah, well, I mean, it was easy to see though there were no there weren't going to be any good teams with room, so it was just a question of whether a bad team was going to overpay your 30 year old or whatever you know player. So for for veterans an extension like i understand like there were all these rookie contract exceptions uh, extensions excuse me that were signed this fall they all made sense to me because there were a bunch of teams that were going to have cap room that were in rebuilding situations when you looked at atlanta cleveland at the time memphis at the time charlotte the knicks you knew were going to be back in it again yeah the the forlorn five as, as exactly you, uh, exactly so glibly dubbed them now a couple of those identities have changed right my memphis used its cap room phoenix could be a room team potentially uh cleveland's room has shifted to detroit but it's the same idea basically it's all rebuilding teams that have the room yeah i i agree so i mean it's really the mid-level exception you're dealing with unless there's sign in trades or something like that which uh, that that has its own issues okay give me uh let's do one one more good one and then there's a few that we just like i want to discuss even if they're not on our Sure, sure. All right. Uh, yeah, here's here's one that I really like. Uh, so another shout out here for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, uh, Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul. Uh, they got Chris Paul on a deal that's one year shorter than Westbrook's. They got uh, first round pick in 2024 and 26, uh, protected top four only. Uh, they have a swap right with the first in 25 that's top 10 protected. I mean, they got some good draft capital out of this. And they took a year off a of Westbrook's deal and they reshaped the identity of the team so that the other guys in the court can actually play. Yeah, and they got someone who contributed to them more this year than Russell Westbrook probably would have. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Tom. So 
Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a few things that are important to remember here as we look at this in retrospect. Chris Paul being 18th in the NBA in total minutes played was not something I think a lot of people could have seen coming. Fair. And that he would continue yeah. to play at this level and, and be an all-star and an all-NBA candidate. You know, that it, it seemed more likely than not that that ship had kind of sailed for him and that maybe if you could really ramp him up in the playoffs and just get, get him to be at his absolute best at that time, he could still be really good. I thought there's a chance he might be a better playoff contributor for them than Westbrook. And then Westbrook started off so poorly in part because of the fit issues, in part because he's returning from that knee surgery. But then seeing what he did the last month and a half or so, does that change things about this for you? Do you think that Westbrook gave Houston a higher ceiling in the playoffs than Paul would have seen well, the way that he was playing? So that's why the way I phrased it was, I love this deal for Oklahoma City. I don't necessarily hate it for Houston, right? Like I, I get I get why Houston did what they did, even though they paid a price for it and they might and it might fail. Yeah, Daryl Morey assumes that he's going to be fired. And so why not just throw away all these draft assets <laughs> in the future and he won't be there anymore? That's what you meant, right? Well, that, there, there's that aspect of it but also even in the short even in the immediate term converting Paul into Westbrook and what that could do for his team and could that you know could could making that shift get them up another up another level in in the Western Conference. I I didn't hate that particular gamble, but from Oklahoma City's perspective, obviously, to get two firsts and convert Westbrook into Paul and losing that I mean losing that 2022 year at 48 million. I mean that has a lot of value when you're in a rebuilding situation and you're you're paying because like what what does Westbrook look like in, at that point in his career when he's still trying to do those the things he does now, but he maybe doesn't have the Jets to do it. That like that could get ugly. I agree with you. And the other thing too is just from an emotional standpoint, it allowed them to rebuild. I'm sure they would have felt like they, given what Westbrook had done for the organization, that they had an obligation to put a competitive team around him. And now they have carte blanche to just go ahead and rebuild in whatever fashion they wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. So, and ironically, they ended up being pretty good this year. And now they, it, it almost, it's almost like that year that Phoenix had. Uh, yeah, with Hornacek, thir- thirteen, it, fourteen. Yeah, yeah, where it actually complicates everything you do going forward. So they're going to have to make some hard decisions here uh, about what they, where they think they are, and where they think they can get to uh, with this group. Because it's a weird situation. Because really, I mean, their two best players are still older guys. You know, Gallinaro might not be back. CP's their best player. You know, Schroeder had a really good year for him, but he's not really part of the future. Um, you know, even Stephen Adams only has one more year on his deal. So they, they got to make some hard decisions. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I was talking about this uh, the other day on my mailbag podcast that, that I did with Danny about how now if if for some reason the playoffs don't end up happening it's maybe harder to move on for something because i was expecting i know we disagreed on this that they would you know flame out in the playoffs pretty quickly uh, mm-hmm. going up against some some real teams mm-hmm. but uh and so then it makes it easier to be like okay you know it's not like we yeah i know we won 50 games here but it's not like we were headed anywhere special right right with these guys um yeah i mean it's a little easier for them than that uh 13 14 suns team that won 48 games but didn't make the playoffs because that team was young enough where you you felt like okay we've got a, a group we can build with here i don't think that's the case and then they also have so many draft picks from other teams in the future that being bad themselves isn't necessarily as much of a priority um okay so we got about maybe 15 minutes left here the ad trade what's your assessment of that as we look 
whatever it is, eight months now in the rearview mirror. Well, obviously the Lakers botched the cap part and ended up having to give away Isaac Bonga and Mo Wagner because of it uh, in the in the separate deal with Washington. As far as the deal they made with New Orleans, I would have done that deal to get Anthony Davis if, if I knew he wanted to be there. Like I, I'd. Yeah. I didn't have I didn't have any problem with what they gave up. I thought New Orleans drove drove a good bargain for themselves and and got the best deal that they could. I thought that I thought that was a very fair trade. Well, and AD and LeBron, I mean, the Lakers have been better than most people thought they would be this year. And to be a clear number one seed in the West, clear championship contender, I'm not sure that everyone thought they would necessarily be that. Uh, now, when they at the time they did the trade, they also thought it might be possible to get Kawhi Leonard. It might be possible to do something else in free agency that would add a, a third star that would really catapult them immediately in. As it turned yeah. out, they couldn't get that. But still, I mean, their team was really, really good. The, the big thing you just have to look back on, though, is to have it structured in a way where you couldn't trade another first round pick like to have to have to 2021 where it only goes if it's in the top seven you're telling me you couldn't have gotten that deal done without that stipulation or you couldn't have gotten the deal done without a deferment that basically prevents you trading a pick for four years exactly exactly yeah that's they got the they got themselves in a lot of trouble there and it and it hurt them uh badly when when uh the bidding came down for for marcus morris in particular right because they 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 were they were outmaneuvered they didn't have the the pick that the clippers did to put in that deal yeah uh, agreed so another one i wanted we talked about westbrook Another move that I was very critical of two teams for not making, mm-hmm. I said that the Wolves, who started off at number six and traded down with the Suns, giving up Dario Saric, uh I'm sorry, the Wolves were at 11 and the Suns were yep. at six. So the Suns traded down to 11. Wolves went up to six, uh, giving up Dario Saric for the privilege. I thought both of those teams erred in not drafting Kobe White. The Suns moved down. They drafted Cam Johnson. Wolves drafted Jarek Culver. White hasn't been unbelievably. He was coming on some in the absence mm-hmm. of, of Zach Levine, but Culver hasn't been great. And Cam Johnson's looked okay, but he's also 24 and yeah. you know doesn't have a ton of upside. Yeah, there's some. Was I right? Was I right about that? Should I have been crapping on them for that as much, uh, given how all those players have performed now? uh, I think Kobe uh, White clearly has the best future of the three of them. He's the youngest. He's shown the most as a rookie. uh, Really started turning the corner in March, right before we shut everything down. So yeah, I think I think your uh, your analysis is is looking on target on that one. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah, and now you might say, well, do the Suns get Rubio? I think they actually could have still gotten Rubio and brought white off the bench for a couple of years and then hopefully he could move into a starter role well so, uh, i mean look at the backups that phoenix was playing this year i mean she right yeah he, he might have even helped them a little bit and then the wolves maybe they just always had eyes for d'angelo russell i think that probably they thought they were going to get russell in free agency it seemed like they had a They're, pretty good degree of the, confidence so there. the story i've heard is actually the wolves like garland and oh yeah right before, and we went right before their pick yeah, I mean, I think most people liked Garland better than White. I probably would like White better than Garland at this point. I, but. Yeah, I wasn't as high on Garland as some other people. Uh, I, I mean, we also we didn't have a ton of film to work with on him, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that worked in his favor, as it turned out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was like the uh, yeah. The, the, but the, we know the, American, the rest of these guys. The American bad, Mario so. Hazonia. <laughs> uh Anything else that stuck out to you that you want to talk about here? There's a deal we didn't talk about that I'm surprised didn't come up. Uh, It was the one I still had left on my list here. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Al Farouk Aminu to Orlando, three years, $29 million with a player option. Isn't that outcome-based decision-making because he was never healthy? Or you thought it was bad to begin with? So I actually didn't think it was bad to begin with. I Me thought either. it was okay at the time. So I'm just saying, and I mean, part of this is we're looking at the offseason with 2020 hindsight now, right? And it's like, I mean, even before he went out with the injury, he his fit in that offense was like, whoa. Like this, he was like, he pushed it over the edge in terms of being a low shooting, low skill offense to begin with. And once he came in, it just went careening off the cliff. Yeah, now he was playing on one leg. I, I'm not sure that I would say that. I mean, you would have thought he's no worse than like John Isaac is, right? So you could, they didn't have any other wings at all. You could at least get, you know, 48 minutes of, of really good defense at forward uh, yeah. At, yeah. across both positions now. So like, I, I didn't think it was a great fit, but I also thought he, it's a starting quality player for three years at the mid-level and they needed a backup at the three. They didn't have anything there. Yeah, and it, again, I'm not... I'm not I'm not questioning the logic of this as much as just wow that didn't work out at all. Well, and retaining Nick Vucevic and Terrence Ross hasn't really looked that great for Orlando either, right? Well, I mean, you could say their goal is to get back in the playoffs and they're going to do that presuming the season resumes. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll just we get to bet and see whether they uh eclipse last year's Pistons for like the worst first round playoff loss ever. Well, you know, we we also have the worst playoff seeding battle ever uh if the league comes back and plays more games between uh Brooklyn and Orlando for that 7 seed. Oh man, that, that's the the most tragic thing that I've heard yet. That we're going to be deprived of that <laughs> down the stretch. Well, you know what else I'm surprised didn't come up: Tobias Harris and Al Horford. Oh yes, I'm sorry. I had I had a separate column for the Sixers. Yeah, five years, 180 million for Harris. Horford, four years, 109 million, 95 million guaranteed. Yeah. I mean, the, to me, Tobias Harris is, is the sunk cost fallacy, right? Like, because they gave up all this stuff to trade for him, they felt like they had to overpay him in free agency to keep him. Obviously, nobody else was giving him five years, $180 million. Like, Well, I, I think he would have had four-year max offers. You, th- you think he would have had max offers? Uh, what about Utah? They could have come in. I'm trying to think. They did Bogdanovich at like 17. Did they have enough room for a max after they did everything else? Uh, maybe uh, they could have like got off a of Dante Exum or something. I think they, uh, and also maybe they do that instead of Conley as well. I know Conley happened at the draft, but I, I think there were t- like Lakers. There were Lakers could have done Tobias Harris on a four-year max. Sure. That was probably what they were most worried about, as I think about it. Or the Knicks because he's a New York guy. I could yeah, have seen that, maybe. Okay, all right. I, I think it was pretty clear that, that that was out there. But yeah, Ed Horford, I mean, wow, $28 million for this year. Four years, 112. Last year, half guaranteed. Although it does guarantee fully if they win a championship. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just to choose those two guys over jimmy butler and jj reddick well or jimmy, J- essentially jimmy, jimmy butler yeah. didn't choose them but well well but if what if they offered him the money that he wanted that's what that's ultimately what it was right or do you think it's more just he didn't want to be there because of personal conflicts or something i i thought he just didn't want to be there i, I didn't think Maybe. it was about the, he, the getting the fifth year because he couldn't get the fifth year anywhere else anyway well i you know i think so because he didn't want to be in minnesota after they didn't create space to renegotiate and extend him he would have been happy to be there supposedly before that uh and then there was always so much talk about like okay he's got all these max offers they were trying to leak stuff to the media about houston and uh, you know just it seemed like they're always trying to drum up a market for him i think if they offered him the five-year max he would have stayed i mean that's a whole uh 
That's a great what if. Yeah, I, I, but you know, fi- it could have been pretty ugly in a while, sure. But uh, Jimmy Butler does things that are special, at least now, and Tobias Harris does not. I mean, yeah. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. Yeah, Tobias is younger, better health history. Okay, that's all great, but you're still just getting like a solid starter for your thirty-three million a year. Yeah, and then more th- I- sorry, more than that. Yeah, <laughs> much yeah. more than that, actually. Yeah. And then on Horford, in 2020 hindsight, they'd have been better off just signing a regular big, you know, with their with their Mike Scott money, just sign a regular decent five, which were, there were plenty out there, and then use that money to get some people who could actually dribble and shoot. Now, I will say this about Horford. I do think he was hurt, this Achilles soreness. He definitely really dropped off. I, I would still like to see what it would look like if you were totally healthy. You just never know with that stuff how much it's affecting people. But so, that's, that's part yeah. of the deal, though, when you sign somebody at this point yeah. in their career. They're going to be dinged up. Yeah, I'm just not ready to fully declare that their idea here behind that starting lineup just can't possibly work. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, why that's yeah. why ultimately I didn't have it in my top five. It's not like an unmitigated disaster, right? It's but it's one you look back and you say, "Ooh, man, I don't know." Yeah, and they did get Josh Richardson, obviously for Butler. They wouldn't have had him. I mean, it really it really was no. no I, I I messed it up. It really was about either Richardson and Horford or Butler and JJ Redick. That was really the choice that they had yeah yeah because harris was going to say he had the low cap hold regardless that's what that's part of why i think they wanted to bring him back too because his cap hold was only 22 million yeah exactly so he still enabled them to do the to do the other stuff but yeah i mean that doesn't look amazing (laughs) right now (laughs) for sure not at all (laughs) all right well uh what did you write about for the athletic this week well, um, I'm actually uh, looking at. I just filed the story. It should be. It might be out by the time you guys listen to this. Um, looking at all the different uh, player and team options on contracts heading into this off season, uh, and I did a little uh, back and forth on the Hawks with our Atlanta beat writer Chris Kirshner. So check check out that two part series from the end of last week too, if you haven't already. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Chris had uh, some interesting reporting about uh, Trey Young and Lloyd Pierce in that article, yeah. uh, which I thought was good. Theathletic.com/per by the way is how you can sign up they have a great deal right now with uh, 90 days free at the start of your subscription so that's that's pretty impressive um and also for my podcast i've been doing a daily coronavirus news roundup with uh, my friend ben taylor and from what i understand there's not that many podcasts that are actually doing anything like that right now we're not trained epidemiologists but we are trained news aggregators and podcasters and, and ben has, has a pretty rigorous background i'm trying to get up to speed but just to relay news in a responsible way of, of what's going on with the coronavirus the idea is you can listen to this for a half hour every day and you get your news and then you can go around uh go about your day instead of having to read a bunch of news and obsess over it and try to find the stuff that's the uh, the most salient for you just kind of trust us to curate that for you that's kind of the idea there um because i know for for a lot of people it's been just what to read and what to believe has been a a difficult process and you're spending a lot of time doing it and kind of stressing yourself out obviously we need to know what's going on with this but that you know we don't need to spend six hours a day doing it that's kind of the thought behind this show um all right i think that's uh that's all we got we'll talk to y'all next week till then Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot 
for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.